for us. Yeah. God, I ask that you would be present here. I welcome you here. I pray that all that we seek to articulate this morning, you would uh, draw our hearts toward you. You let us encounter you in a powerful way. And you let us know you deeply. And yeah, just help me, I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Yes, it's working. Great. All right. Um, what we did last week and what I'm wanting to do over the four weeks in, in July, or July, <laughs> I jumped ahead. It's not that work. <laughs> Lord, help me today. I really need it. I really need it. Um, I'm just jumping forward to July in my head. No, in January is to talk a little bit about the key things, the key foundations or the key elements that are deeply important to us as a community as we seek to, f- to step into what God's asked us for, what are the things that kind of guide us and help us? And uh, we have some of them at the back. But last week we looked at this idea of being submitted and shaped by the story of God, being a people who um, get into the scriptures, who treat them as sacred and valuable. And so if you didn't catch last week, can I really encourage you to go back and have a listen? I don't normally think it's that important to listen to me again and I don't think it is important to listen to me again necessarily but just in terms of catching the heart of what it means um, to to be a people who, who engage with the scriptures and how that sets our world um, up is really important and this will build on that a little bit but what I want to do this morning um, is I want to cover a little bit of ground on what it means to have Jesus at the center of our community. So we talked last week at this idea that Jesus is the center of our story, that he is a reference point for how we understand and interpret the world. But this morning what I wanna look at is, okay, we are one expression of community um, in the, the wider, the global church, which is the community of God. And I wanna continue to, to store the idea of story and understand what does it mean or what is God's idea of human community? And how is that part of the story? And what are some of the challenges with that? And what does that look like for us here to put Jesus at the center of our community? So it's going to be fun. I know I'm going to probably, um, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not going to poke holes at you. It's going to be wonderful. I, I, I have, if I'm being honest, I have a deep passion and longing to see uh, God's heart for what human community should look like. And yet I'm acutely aware, as many of you are, of the challenges of that. It's like, you know, marriage is a beautiful thing. When it works in family's work, it is, it's, it's unlike anything else in terms of joy. And yet when it doesn't, it is probably one of the most heart-wrenching things in the world. And I think church isn't too dissimilar in that. And so I want to set out God's idea of human community, what he actually had in his heart in the beginning. And then I want to take the second half just to look at, okay, well, how do we actually work that out with all of the realities of what life is like for us here in in the 21st century? Um, So let me start off. The story of God begins with community, with family. And humanity is created in the image of God to be joined together face to face. If you go back to the beginning story, that's how it's set out. It's the very beginning narrative of the story as we looked at last week. And it's this picture of God out of his love and goodness creating a place to call home within which he sets human community. And it's called Eden, which is literally the place of delight. And in that place, he creates humanity as the pinnacle of his creation. He creates them, male and female, he creates them for community to extend community. 
So there's this beautiful picture of the Godhead, the Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, out of loving community, creating an expression of that community in humanity. And the key picture that keeps following through the story is this idea of family. Now, I know we all have multiple experiences of family. Some of those are wonderful, some of those are tragic. And so it's hard sometimes for us to kind of use this terminology. So I understand that as I use it, and I realize it's a, um, a faulty metaphor. But go with it for, for, me, for this morning, because it's the one picture that, that, that the biblical story returns to over and over. And so God's idea of human community, of intimacy with his presence is this idea of family. And you might want to call it ground zero for home. It's destination home for humanity. It's what God intended things to look like. It's what his heart was. And, and we read in Genesis 2, uh, 24, that uh, man shall not uh, live alone. It says this, and the man said, this is at last bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for out of man she was taken. And then the, the text says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. It's quite a famous text. I'm not going to unpick it or try and work with it this morning. But what it does is it creates this picture of humanity is connected deeply together. Whether we like it or not, there's this deep-seated connection. The scripture story speaks of that and says not only is that connection deeply important, but out of that connection, I want to create even more community. And then Jesus actually picks up on this idea over and over again. And when he's talking about lots of questions of dysfunction and disorder, he quotes this verse as a a depiction of what it was intended to be at the beginning. He's getting asked all these questions about a divorce and dysfunctional family and lots of laws that they had that were actually oppressing different people groups. And he says this, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So we often quote that at weddings or whatever. But what Jesus is doing here is he's picturing this idea of family. He's saying, look, in the beginning, this is how God intended it. His desire was that we would be joined together in human community. And then he says, therefore, like, let's not divide that. This is God's heart. Let's not create things that divide it. And then he talks to his disciples as an expression of human community. He says, love one another as I have loved you. I could go through the whole of the scripture and pick out loads of stories for you. I won't this morning, but um, just to keep the kind of track uh, from Genesis through to Jesus, through to the writers of Jesus' earliest followers, Paul begins to pick this idea up. And he doesn't just talk about it in the context of human community and human family. He begins to use it as a picture to talk about this new community we call the church. And he begins to talk about how this is the picture of what I desire human community to be. And my new community that is being formed in Christ is supposed to be an expression of family. He says this, for we are members of his body. That's talking about the church. And he says, and he quotes Genesis again. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. And then he says this really interesting thing. He says, this mystery is profound, but I'm speaking of Christ and the church. So he says, this picture of human community, of connection, of being part of one another, literally members of one another, 
is actually a picture of what human community under God is supposed to look like. And if you fast forward to the last scripture I'm going to use this morning in Revelation, which is a weird apocalyptic picture of the end time and all sorts of other things. But it finishes with this, uh, the story bookends with beginning with human community and ending with human community. And the scripture says this, says, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him, Jesus, for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And it goes on to say, God's dwelling place is now among humanity. So I fired a lot of ideas at you. Let me just boil this down very, very simply. The picture of the biblical story from start to finish is that humanity is part of one another. Like we are connected in a deeply profound way. It's built into the story of creation, at least if we believe the biblical story. And the picture is that we are like an ecosystem of interconnected relationships. Created for love, where God is at the center of that and is the source of that love. You, you getting the picture? So the idea of family in the scriptures is human community connected together, members of one another, a system of interconnected relationships created for love, where God is the center of that and the reference point for it. One of those expressions is a human family, of course, but we're going to talk a little bit about <coughs> the church. Here's the reality. <coughs> That's the beautiful picture of what God intends human community to be like. But the truth is, as we move through the story, we all are aware that that's not my experience of relationship, right? There's some beautiful moments of deep friendships, of, of church encounters, of family relationships, of um, spices where it is just deep, loving community. And there are moments of pain and tragedy and difficulty and disconnection and hurt and all sorts of other things. And so the picture is not simply of God's idea of, of, of family. It's also got another element in the picture. And you might have lots of different reasons for explaining that. Our world has all sorts of ideas for why we have fractured human relationships. And it has all sorts of solutions for how to repair that. But God's idea is again in the scripture. And according to the biblical worldview, this picture of human flourishing gets twisted and distorted by our rejection of God through the story. Eli, I'm going to hand this over to you because I am struggling to do two things at once. <laughs> Can I do that? Can you catch? I don't want to put you under pressure. That's not fair. I don't want to put you under pressure. He could do it. and won't do it. He would catch it, but I just don't want to put him under that pressure. Um, Yes, yeah, so according to the biblical worldview and the story that we looked at last week, what happens is that this, this connection of human community gets twisted and distorted by our rejection of God as the center and the source and the reference for love. So according to the story in Genesis, you can read about it. We live in a broken world that has come about through our choice to move God as the center of our story and the reference point for love to move him out of that and to place us at the center of our own stories. You might use the word autonomy. So in the biblical story, humanity chooses autonomy, chooses self as, uh, as the reason and the desire for how to live. 
And so we, we, we choose self-rule and throw off what's often known as the shackles of the oppressive creator God, if he is even real in the world's story, and break free to choose to create world, the world in our own eyes. And so you move from this story of God at the center of human community and the reference point for love and goodness to humanity and us at the center of our own story, determining our autonomous self-rule, making sure that we are the ones that determine what is right or wrong, what is freedom, what is good. And the Bible uses that, a word called sin to describe that, but really it's often misunderstood and I know misused in our society uh, by both religious and irreligious alike. But it's really talking about self. It's talking about autonomy, self-rule. And here's the problem, and I know I'm oversimplifying a little bit, so you can use that criticism of me, but just for the sake of this morning, let me do this. And the problem is that when you choose, or when I choose, to, be, to put self at the center of my story, and autonomy becomes the idol that I bow down to, um, rather than the creation story, and God at the center of my story, what it ultimately does is it leads to the breakdown of human relationships. It begins to fracture my ability to relate to others because no longer is God and others the reference point for love. It's me. And so my choice is king. My desire and ideas about what is good and what is right and what I want is king. That is what autonomy is about. And then when that becomes ingrained in our structures of society, in our ways of relating to each other in communities, and then in structures of power, it gets pretty broken pretty quick. And so it leads to all kinds of different ideas. And the biblical picture of this, if I talked about Genesis and Eden as destination home, the biblical picture for what happens when humanity chooses autonomy, self-rule, is this word called exile. It's being put out in the cold. And so in the story, humanity is banished from this place of delight. And it's called the wander the world looking for home. And the way you could describe this is that we are all lost trying to find home. That's the biblical picture of what happens with human community. Here's a question for you just to pause because I've thrown a lot at you. What is your explanation for the way things are in the world? with regards to human relationships. What is the story, your overarching narrative that you use to describe why things are the way they are? Let me say a little bit more about this idea of autonomy. I wanna set this up and help unpick the story because it does relate to what I'm trying to say later. Autonomous is this word, um, Greek word, auto meaning self, and nomos meaning law. So it's, it's literally a law unto myself. And in many of our worldviews, sometimes our own, autonomy is this idea that we get to choose what we want to do. We are the reference point for everything else. And we understand freedom in this way too. So freedom is ultimately the ability to choose whatever I want to do, whatever I choose to be important and good for me, whenever it feels good to do it. That is how we describe, in a very simple way, freedom. I know I'm simplifying a set of complex ideas here, but go with me for a minute. Our idea is freedom is centered around our freedom to choose. That's ultimately a lot of what we understand our story to be. 
But the biblical idea is that sin is our autonomy, our self-rule apart from God. That that's actually the source of broken relationships. So you've got a clash of ideas here, right? You've got this worldview that says that being at the center of my story, autonomous self-rule is actually freedom. But the biblical idea of freedom is entirely different. And the biblical idea of freedom is actually coming under God's rule. And so the word is submission, which we hate, I know, and I, I get it's being misused in so many different ways. But the idea of freedom in God's world is coming under God as our reference point for love and human community. So you see how the two are absolutely opposing ideas? That one is that actually anything that invites me to come under something is a, an oppression of my freedom. And then the other is that actually, if I tell you or I come under some kind of submission, that that's actually freedom. I mean, the first word, the first use of freedom in the scripture is in Genesis, where God says to humanity, you are free to eat from any of the trees within the garden, but not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's an invitation into trust and a submissive relationship. I don't mean submissive in a negative way. I know we have lots of, I'm using language that is loaded, so I get that. I'm trying to do it as best I can. But it's this idea of lovingly surrendering to the goodness of God as the one to be trusted and who is our reference point for love. However, if I see freedom as self-rule, what happens is I begin to see every other structure that invites that as oppressive, as seeking to quash freedom, as seeking to be an evil thing to actually suppress desire. And so authority is not the authority of God, it's the authority of self. It's direct, and anything, any other authority that seeks to tell me or ask me to do anything different is a direct threat. Does that make sense? Why am I talking about this? I know there's a number of nuances. I know there are periods of human history and continue to be experiences of human power and authority that has been oppressive and is oppressive and unjust. And unfortunately, the religious system has been primarily a runner of that. And so there has been a need to challenge and do that. So when I talk about all these things, I realize there is a mixture of nuances to the story. And that actually, it's not as simple as I make out. But what I wanna try and put together a little bit, and what I'm trying to do is that God's idea of human community relies on this notion of submitting to God's love and to one another's love. And what I'm trying to help us understand in a very simplified way is that within our current way of thinking, that is complicated. And it, it involves a certain kind of clash of ideas. And it makes it challenging for us to feel like that's okay or that is a good thing to do. Let me give you the bottom line of what I'm trying to communicate. And I feel like I'm, um, yeah. Here's what I'm proposing, based on my reading of the biblical and human story. We live in a world where we are all impacted by humanity's experience of exile. We 
have multiple experiences of human relationships that have left us with a sense of being out in the cold, being on the fringe, or feeling like we don't belong. We haven't felt loved, valued, or known in the way that God desires us to in human community. And then some of us, some of you have had moments where the dominant narrative has been the opposite to that. So if you bring all of that into the mix of seeking to build human community together, that makes it complicated, doesn't it? It creates a challenge. How do you create a sense of home, a sense of community and connection in a moment where actually it feels like disconnection, where it feels like we all have experiences of the brokenness and the exile of the human story? What is our vehicle for redemption? Like, what's the answer to that? But one way is for us to feel connected together, right? To feel safe, to feel a sense that we belong together, um, to deal with this complex problem of human exile and multiple relationships and lots of different ideas and hurts and pains, is to create safe places where we feel we fit in and where we feel like we belong. And that is the human desire. God created us for human community. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually a good thing to try and create places where we belong. It's a vital need that we have been created with. God, at the center of our story, human relationships together. But when you take God out of the center of that story and you place us at the center of our own story and you try to create that sense of belonging and safety, the only way to do that is to build it around what we have in common. It's to create safe spaces where we are the same, where we don't challenge one another, where we aren't a threat to one another. And so without God at the center of the human story where we are seeking to submit to one another, what happens is we create silos of sameness. We build walls physically, socially, or intellectually to protect ourselves from feeling lost and alone and being out on the fringe, on the margins, to deal with this feeling of being lost, trying to find a way home, of exile in the human story. And so a lot of our policies are seeking to try and find a way to do that. And the reason for that is because we are created for human community. When you take God out, put us at the center, it, it, it doesn't work as well. And then that can look really destructive. So it can look like segregation, it can look like ghettos, it can look like racism, it can look like sectarianism, isolation, discrimination, all sorts of stuff begins to break the heart of God and perpetuate this idea of exile. What happens is the result is disconnection from God and one another. So you see the two pictures here? One is disconnection from God and one another, and one is connection to God and to one another. And our world is built this way. You know, you have filter bubbles that, that kind of like provide an echo chamber in your social media feed so that you only ever see what you agree with. And so it creates this world in which you are the same as those around you. And yet God's solution, God's idea of what I do about the human problem of brokenness in relationship is entirely different to that. God's solution is Christ. And the cross. Remember I said last week that if Jesus, if Christ is not the center of the story, it's not the kingdom story, or if the cross is not the center of the, re- the redemption or the answer, then it's not the kingdom story. Jesus' solution to this problem is to send Christ and to, to send him to the cross. 
And God's heart in this, at least part of it, is that through sending the Christ, the Messiah, the fracturing effects of the fall on human relationships would be restored. It's a key part of the good news story of Jesus. And the fancy biblical word for this is this word reconciliation. I know we use that in our, in our world as well, but in the biblical idea of reconciliation, it's God's desire to reconnect humanity to himself to a reference point for love, and then to begin to reconnect humanity to one another. Rich uh, Volodis says this, he says, God is in the business of creating a new family through Christ. Part of the reason Christ came was not simply to, to forgive our sins, that's part of the story, but it was also to start the new creation project of God's healing of the world. And a key part of the way in which our world is broken is in human relationships. And so God's desire is that through the cross, a moment of absolute rejection and dehumanization and probably the epitome of the brokenness of human relationship, he takes that moment to be the source of his solution, to bring humanity together. Philodos says this again, he says, the cross of Christ isn't just a bridge that gets us to God, but it's a sledgehammer that breaks down walls that separate us. It's beautiful. Let me read you what Paul says about this, just so it makes sense. But now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near through his blood, through his death. For he himself is our peace, having made both one and having broken down the barrier of the petition of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the old law. He did this to create himself one new humanity out of two, making peace and reconciling both of them to God in one body through the cross by removing their hostility. I know Paul uses a lot of language, but what he's trying to say here is that through the cross, and he's picturing two segregated communities, the Jewish people and the Gentiles, both as removed as possible from one another, And God says, actually, the heart of Christ is that through his death on the cross, through his body torn apart, that he would bring them near. That out of different groupings, he would create one. That he would pull away the hostility that was there and make peace through himself. Does that make sense? That's the picture of the church continues on across the Roman world, being a community that is open to all around and centered on the person of Christ. It's supposed to be an expression of home, an expression of the new humanity, the new creation community. It's supposed to be a foretaste of what it will be like at the end when without any of the brokenness and evil that we experience in this world, God will be at the center of the human story And his presence will be there as the reference point for love with humanity from all walks and tribes and tongues together under Christ. That's the picture of human community at the end. And the church is supposed to be a taste of that now. Does that make sense? It's supposed to be an experience of that now. We're supposed to be an experience of home together um, in the presence of God. Reality check, though, it's not always like that, is it? Hands out if you've had a negative experience at church before. 
I'll keep my hand up because <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Not all of us. Um, Human community is hard, isn't it? Like, it's, it's not straightforward. Like, families are not straightforward. It's, it's not, there is a, no one that doesn't have, like, someone who has been rude or, 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 or way worse that's actually been um, uh, oppressive. There's just so many broken stories. And I, and I, and I know and I recognize that, that there are many that are significant. We are all shaped by that. We are shaped by a history that we have. We're shaped by a context that we live in. We're shaped and formed by family and friends. And, and that enters into our experience of human community in this moment. And so human community is messy. It's not straightforward. But I wanted to, to help create this picture of what God intends it to be. Because that is what we are seeking to, to seek to live in may not get there, it may not be perfect, it will certainly be messy, but this side of heaven, our attempt is to create a community of people from all walks of life that are part of a wider community of people across the world that are an experience of home to those that are on the outside. To do that requires this ongoing process of reconciliation and connection with one another. What it means is that actually we have to participate in a way uh, that involves forgiveness, it involves repentance and justice, it involves the restoring of broken relationship, it involves honesty, it involves all sorts of stuff. And Dr. Brandon Salter McNeil says this about what reconciliation is. I think it, it really helps. It says, reconciliation is an ongoing spiritual process involving forgiveness, repentance and justice that restores broken relationships and systems to reflect God's original intention for all creation to flourish. Church, in all its expressions, is supposed to be a source of healing in the area of relationships. Healing from our experiences of pain and exile and disconnection. And I've experienced moments like that in God's church. I've experienced moments where there's been healing and restoration of relationships, and it's been a beautiful thing. It's also a collection of imperfect people living in a present evil world, seeking to grow up and mature in Christ-likeness. And so at times, it's also a source of the opposite to that. And I'm sorry for where that's been your experience here or in other places. And I'm sorry in advance for where that will be your experience here in the future, as best we will seek it not to be. How do we do that then? How do we actually build human community? I want to give you four things to finish with that are practical and that hopefully will be helpful. And the first one is this, and I've been around lots of different expressions of church. I have lots of friends and lots of different streams different ways of doing it. I think there's multiple ways to do human community, to structure it in our society, depending on the mission. So not so much talking about the methodology here, but I just, some of the things I've noticed in seeking to be a community of people that do this and of stories and friends that are also seeking to do that. The first one is one thing I've noticed that's a challenge and, and, and that hopefully will be a help. And this, this is that Christ is our redemption, not the church. What I mean by that, is that sometimes with that beautiful picture of what human community should be like and our hope that actually that's where we're heading, 
and that the church might well be increasingly like that for me. When it's not, that can be a deeply disappointing thing, especially when I hoped it to be. I hope that it might heal some of the brokenness that I felt growing up. I hope that it might heal my feelings of isolation. I hope that it might heal my experiences of rejection. And I, I really believe that it can. But it can also accentuate those, unfortunately, with the brokenness that we live in. And it shouldn't, and we need to make amends for those things. But if you've set it up and the church is the source of that for you, you will be bitterly disappointed over and over again. And eventually my experience is you just slowly disengage entirely. And I get it. But if Christ is the center of your redemption, if he is the source and reference point for healing, it changes things. Your expectation and hope is in him, not in human community. Here's the, the, the little thread through the needle, if I can do it. The vehicle for Christ's redemption is still the church. So even though it's not your hope, right? Even though you can't put your trust in it and it will let you down because we are a structure of Im- immature at times, <laughs> I say that about myself, <laughs> insecure people trying to grow up into Christ who are imperfect, we will disappoint, but Christ will not. And yet, in his crazy mercy, I don't know why he does it, Church is still the vehicle through which he brings out healing. People are still the solution to that. Does that make sense? Do you understand the difference and the tension? Okay. Second one, the principle of closing in fence or walls. Um, here's, uh, let me explain this. What we tend to do with human community uh, is that when we have experiences of hurt and pain, we tend to build protective walls to make it safe next time. And so we have this principle of the closing in fence or the, the walls. You know in Star Wars where he gets in the dumpster and the wall, is it, what's that? Is it what Star Wars was that? I can't remember, Turn the Jedi or something? New Hope, there you go. Thank you, I knew there was someone that knew more about it than I did. And, and they can't get out. It's, it's this idea that the walls increasingly close in until you have no more space left. And it works to remove people that hurt you from your life is sometimes necessary, especially if they've not done it in an honorable way. But if you continue to do that all of the time with all of your relationships, what happens is you create a fence around where you no longer have human community. That that space begins to narrow and narrow and narrow until it's small. But here's the other thing, and this is the principle I wanna talk about. Our ability to engage with the presence of God is directly related to our connection with people. So when you shut off part of yourself to others, you actually shut the same part of yourself off to God. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, it's just the way we are are built and it's the way God has designed it. And so what ends up happening is in, in seeking to protect yourself and moving away from human community, I call it away moves, you actually move away from God without intending to. And you actually don't, you aren't, you're only able to engage with God to the, to, the, to the level that you're able to engage in human community. Does that make sense? That's like messy, isn't it? It's difficult. And many of us don't have good examples of how to deal with conflict well, of how to talk about pain, of how to, to uh, move towards connection when we're hurt rather than away from it. 
like most of us have pretty broken patterns of that you know like if I'm feeling hurt my reaction is to shut off and become all quiet and like you know Shani's like what's wrong nothing you know like, <laughs> anybody else like that it's like the head shock no other people's like Aah! just let out all your pain like it's out there and it's done but then it's fine you know um, but most of us don't have, have healthy ways of dealing with pain so our our, our natural instinct is to make away moves rather than towards moves. And I've been working on this, Shani and I have been working on this just in terms of our understanding is making towards moves when we feel in pain and vulnerable. It's really hard. But actually when we do that, it begins to increase, increase depth of connection. It's, it's talking about something rather than just shutting off. It's, it's saying, you know what, that thing that you said, um, you know, hurt me. I was with someone this morning and said, you know what, you did all this stuff and you forgot to mention this and it really hurt me. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm really sorry that happened. And we talked about it and it's fine and it was good. And it brought deeper connection. I remember when I was taking a year out, I had lots of insecurities and I was with a team and I had this underlying thought that I was always on the outside, that everybody was always against me and that that didn't take much for it to flip off. And I was in a real huff one day and I was feeling like everybody, nobody likes me, nobody's concerned about me, nobody's caring about me, nobody thinks about me. And, and one of the, the twins that I did the team with just turned around and said to me, Ben, we're not all against you, you know. And it like snapped something. I just, I started to cry. It was a bit embarrassing as an 18 year old boy. But it hit something that I had this story that I was telling myself that this is the way of things because of my experiences. And yet it wasn't true at all. And by someone leaning in towards me and saying, actually, that's not true, it healed something in me. I'm gonna finish with this. I realize, just be honest, can I be really honest? I know I'm told not to do this. I know Eli, who's a, a spy for Shandy, will probably tell her. <laughs> I'm only kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going to have to be honest about that and restore human community. Lord, forgive me. Um, that did not go as I intended to go. Um, Eli, who's good, who actually cares about me and is, is willing to tell me the truth, is more true, would say, Ben, why did you say that? That was downing yourself. That was... And so I'm about to step into that world and I'm just, I'm hearing Eli in my world saying, don't just run yourself down, Dad, you shouldn't do that. So thank you, uh, you're not a spy at all. Um, I had, a, I went, this went whole, whole way different in my head. <laughs> this, this morning, it has been clumsy in my head and all sorts of other things. It maybe hasn't felt that way to you. But here's what I want to leave you with in, in my heart is just a framework that is practical and that helps us talk about some of these things as a church to close. Is that okay? Is that up there? It's like a, a graph kind of thing. Ah, there we go. People like graphs, right? You like these things. So it's, it's an axis. So you know, like X, Y, what do you call it when you have two double axes? I don't know. Someone might as well tell me. But the bottom of one is low, ex, low expectation, high expectation. And the other is low connection, high, high, high connection. Does that make sense? So, and they're quadrants. Does that make sense? So each of the colors is a, a, as a particular experience, okay? So some of us come to church with low expectation and low connection. Does that make sense? So we don't really see God's 
Hartford Church being deep human relationships with his presence. And so we don't have a high expectation that that's our desire or that even what churches we maybe come along every so often is fairly loose. But also there's a low connection. So the general feeling in that place is I'm on the periphery. Um, it's something that I go to rather than something that I'm part of. I don't expect too much because of past experience. So I generally keep people at arm's length. So it's kind of a loose connection, but it's not got huge expectations. They're not asking a lot. That's sometimes our experience at church. So low connection, low expectation. And what happens with that is that we don't really, in that world, however, whatever our connection is with it, to whatever expression of church, large, small, house, you know, structured, doesn't matter. Whatever your expression of human community called the church is, you don't tend to mature in the likeness of Christ because that requires a depth of human relationships. So that's some of our experience. I've been there times in my life too, for lots of different reasons, not necessarily our fault. The second quadrant is high expectation, low connection. So this is where um, someone has a high expectation and hope for human community expressed through the church. So I'm really hoping that this will be a source of blessing in my life. I'm really hoping that it would do something to heal some of my relationships, to help me grow in, in person with Christ. But I have low connection. So, and this might not be the person's fault. It might be lots of different factors involved. It might be work. It might be not having spaces to connect. It might be lots of different reasons. But for whatever reason, there's a sense of disconnection. So low connection, high expectation. And in that experience, there's a deep sense of being let down, not being cared for, not feeling loved, known, or valued. And there are lots of factors in that. We, what tends to happen if that's your experience is we disconnect and disengage eventually. Um, and this, the third one is low expectation, high connection, <laughs> which is this sense of I, I have a, a high connection with people. I'm deep in a relationship. I'm at every event. I'm at everything the church does. I'm a busybody around lots of different things. I'm doing all the things, and I, I really enjoy my relationships, but I don't have a high um, expectation of, of human relationships. I'm not seeking to, to go deep. I'm not really wanting to grow or change. I'm not wanting to move past my pain. And so there's lots of interaction, but when conflict or disagreement or challenge comes into the relationship, it shifts and there's disconnection. So because there's lots of connection, but there's no expectation that this is a, a human community seeking to challenge one another in the values of the kingdom, then I disconnect. Does that make sense? The last one is high connection, high expectation. And the, this is the heart of where we're trying to get to. And it's a sense of being deeply connected in human relationships with others, holding to a set of values that are kingdom values, calling one another to those, living fully, fearlessly and faithfully in the way of Jesus with our set of values. And so we always want to be moving towards high connection, high expectation, a sense of a depth of relationship and connection. Here's the challenge. The ways that we connect with church is always different for one another. And we have our own lives and demands and lots of things going on. And there's no way as things grow in this particular community, you can have deep connection with every single person just to some work. And you may have your own factors in life that make it challenging to connect. And so there's two things that are really important. One is that we make towards moves rather than away moves. And that we as a church make towards moves rather than away moves. 
So I want you to think, this is the thing I want to leave you with. I want you to think about what is my towards move this year? Like what is my towards move towards connection that would actually help me engage in human community? It might be to join a hub. It might be that we can do this rhythm. It might be to say, look, I feel disconnected. I don't know where to connect. And you're actually communicating that. And then there's actually a need for something more. And then where am I at risk of making a way moves? And how do I challenge that? And then as a church community, those of us that are leading, all of us in different ways that we do that, are asking those questions too. How do I make towards moves to people? And sometimes there are gaps as things grow. You know, sometimes it is that actually I don't have connection here. And it might not be that you can make any more away moves, but actually just in the structures of the way things are happening or what's going on, that there's a gap. And we don't always know about that. And so communicating that honestly says, okay, I feel, I feel like I'm on the fringe. I say, well, what are the reasons for that? And we talk about it. That's what human community is. And we help both of us make towards moves. Does that make sense?